You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. Get some kids in a room, little kids. And if you take a cookie and you break it and you make one side a little bit smaller than the other, and then you like give the smaller side to a kid, and the kid looks at the other cookie and goes, That's not fair. Where did they learn that? I didn't teach my kids to say that, but they all said it. That's not fair. It all has to be the same. Who put that in you? It's ingrained in us. That's the law, legalism. But that's not fair. How many times have you heard a child say that? How many times have you said that? In today's message, Pastor Holland teaches from the book of Leviticus on the topic of legalism. Legalism is not what Jesus preached to his followers, and it's not what he calls us to today. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their practice and promotion of legalism. Instead, Jesus is concerned about the condition of your heart, and through his blood shed on the cross, he offers you true freedom. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Leviticus chapter 6 for today's edition of Worship Life Radio. We're going to be looking at Leviticus 6, some portions of Leviticus 6 and Leviticus 7. But as we've been studying the book of Leviticus, kind of to give you the background, you know, we've come out of Exodus. When you begin Exodus chapter 1, the nation of Israel is in bondage, right? They're enslaved. And then God brings his power and his might, and he delivers the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and he defeats all the gods of Egypt. He defeats every single one of them. And then he takes them and leads them by the hand, the fire you know, at night, the cloud by day. And he personally leads them through the wilderness into the promised land, and he, and he teaches them how to worship. He teaches them how to follow him, how to obey him. And he gives them his law. He establishes a relationship with them. And so when we come to the end of Exodus... We see the tabernacle is built. The presence of God has descended upon the tabernacle. And now the glory of God is in the Holy of Holies. And so God himself, God himself is present in the midst of his people. And it says that when he descended on the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, that his glory was was so powerful that Moses couldn't even enter in. You know, he couldn't enter in because of the presence of God. The raw power of God was there in that place. And so that's where we are when we come to the end of Exodus. Israel has just had this incredible encounter of God's power. And now God himself is present in their midst. And they're like in awe. Wouldn't you? Imagine if God just like, fill this place with his glory to such a degree that we'd all have to leave because of the raw power of God that would be in this place. And we'd just be all sitting there staring like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And so they've had this experience. They're witnessing the real presence of God in their midst. And then in Leviticus 1, it begins with this word, Vayikra. Vayikra. That's the name of Leviticus in the Hebrew Bible, Vayikra. And that word Vayikra means, and he calls. And he called. 
And we read in the first verse of Leviticus that, and he called Moses from the tent of meeting. The Lord called Moses from the tent of meeting. And so they've had this incredible experience. The presence of God is there. And then the Lord says, Moses, come closer. I want you to draw near. And that's what the book of Leviticus is all about. It's about us drawing near to God. The word offering, there's the first five offerings in the beginning of Leviticus. That word offering in the Hebrew is korban, and korban means to draw near, to come close. And so often people will teach the book of Leviticus as a boring book because it's all about these sacrifices and these offerings, and we don't relate to it because we're Americans, we don't do that. I remember one time I was talking to my mom, and she goes, Halen, she's Japanese. It's like, Halen, why we talk about Israel all the time? We're Americans. You know, like, why do, why do we get to know about all these guys? I said, because that's the Bible, Mom. So we're studying the Bible. And the Bible is about God's people. And so God calls his people into relationship to draw near. And the offerings, the five offerings, are about us drawing near to God. This is us drawing near to God. And all of the five offerings are voluntary offerings. We bring them because we want to. We want to draw near to God. So the first one is the burn offering, which is an offering of consecration. I want to give my life to God. I want to surrender my life to God. And that's where we begin our relationship with God is through surrender, consecrating, setting ourselves apart for Him. And we want to do that, and so we would bring the offering of consecration. Then it's the grain offering, and the grain offering speaks of the works of our hands, the fruit of our labors, our money, our talents, our time, you know, the things that God has given to us that we do. We give that to God. And then the peace offering, signifying the fellowship. It was a shared meal, so we would fellowship with God. God wants us to be one with Him. It's the oneness. That's why we're called the bride of Christ. Because God wants us to be one, one with Him. He doesn't want anything to get in the middle of that oneness. We're made to be one. You know, marriage is a picture of that, you know, that oneness that we experience with our wives and our husbands is the same oneness that God wants to have with us, nothing in between. And then we have the sin offering and the trespass offering, which we're going to look at in more detail today from a relational standpoint. Because it's the sin offering and the trespass offering. That's if there's something between our relationship, God wants us to give it to him. He wants us to bring it to him and to surrender it to him. Now, most of us, whether we want to admit it or not, are legalists. We're legalistic in our thinking. It's impossible for us to escape it. It has to do with our culture. We're a nation under the rule of law. It's deeply ingrained in us, this sense of right and wrong, the sense of fairness, the sense of justice. I mean, all you have to do is get some kids in a room, little kids, and if you take a cookie and you break it, and you make one side a little bit smaller than the other, and then you like give the smaller side to 
a kid and the kid looks at the other cookie and goes, that's not fair. Where did they learn that? I didn't teach my kids to say that, but they all said it. That's not fair. It all has to be the same. Who put that in you? It's ingrained in us. That's the law, legalism. We're under the law. We're under the condemnation of the law. And it's very difficult for us to understand the concept of grace. Grace is one of the hardest things that I find, especially in America, for people to really understand. To know what it means to have this freedom, this liberty that is ours in Christ. And so if I was to teach grace as Paul taught grace, and I have, many times it's like, well, you're a heretic. That can't be like that. You got to have some rules to that grace. You got to have some responsibility to that grace. You got to add some borders. That's just too free. You can't just tell people they can do whatever they want. Well, I didn't say that. God did. But that's the nature of grace. That's the nature of being free. You're not free if you have a law, right? You're not free if there's a law that's over you. And so what grace does is it transforms you from the inside out. It changes you from the inside out. So you're no longer under the law, but you're ruled now by relationship. I now have a direct connection with God. I have a direct connection with Jesus. And I'm speaking to him moment by moment, and he's directing me, guiding me. The cloud by day, the fire by night. That's what God is doing. You know, if someone doesn't follow the rules, if someone breaks the law, what happens? We get uptight, right? We get upset. We think someone's got to pay. Someone's got to be judged. Someone's got to be punished. And that's why we want to know who did it. You know, you walk in the kitchen and the cup is broken. You want to know who broke the cup. So you know who to blame and who to talk to. Don't ever do that again. We want to know who to send the bill to. That's deeply ingrained in us. So if you do the crime, you do the time. It's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. And that is justice. That's what justice is. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. It's even. You did this, you get this. This is the consequence. And so we're all legalists. But we're also hypocrites. Because I want justice for you. I want you to pay. But if I make a mistake, I want mercy for me. I don't want to pay. It's like, bro, where's the grace here, man? Where's the love? I will love you more when you clean up your mess. And we have this thing that's working within us. And it's because of the law. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. 
And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. Now, these two words for sin revolve around our relationship to the law. There is the word chata, which is the word sin. And then there's the word pesha, which is the word for transgressions or trespasses. Now, chata is the word that is for sin, means to miss the mark. And so it refers to unintentional sin. It's like, I want to do the right thing, but I didn't do the right thing. You know, maybe it was by accident. Maybe I didn't know. Maybe it was out of ignorance. But it's like I wanted to do the right thing, but somehow, intentionally, I wasn't able to do that. I fell short. I missed the mark. And it's spelled chet, tet, and aleph. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because Hebrew is a pictorial language. It's like Chinese or Japanese. Every letter paints a picture. And the way you create words is by putting pictures together. And so every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has meaning. It has a picture that's associated with the word or with the letter. And so this word, chet, tet, aleph, chata, the letter chet is a picture of a fence. In Hebrew, they look at it as a picture of a fence. And it can mean to separate or to cut off. The letter tet is the picture of a snake. And that snake is surrounding or ensnaring or encircling something. And then the third letter, Aleph, is the picture of the ox, and it stands for God the Father. And so the meaning, the idea that is being conveyed through the spelling of the word is that the person is cut off from God because they were surrounded by the snake. That being surrounded by the snake is what cut them off from the influence of God. And that's a picture of deception. We'll look at that in a second. Pesha is the word trespass or transgression translated that in the English. And it means to deliberately break God's law. So when I break God's law on purpose, and it's spelled pe-shin and ayin. Pe-shin and ayin. Pay is the picture of a mouth that is open. And the idea of the mouth being open is that the mouth is open to speak judgment, not blessing. The mouth is open to speak judgment. Sheen is the letter that God uses to identify himself. 
It's the, you'll see this, people that do this with their hands, they're making the letter sheen. When the rabbis would pronounce the blessing over the congregation, they would hold their hands like this, and it was the letter sheen. Incidentally, for those of you that are Trekkie fans, Star Trek fans, that's where Leonard Nimoy got the Vulcan, you know, sign, was from the rabbi. He was Jewish. You know, he was a bad Jew because you're supposed to close your eyes, and he would open his eyes, and he saw the rabbi doing this, so he thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll do that. And so that's where that came from. But anyhow, what's interesting is God says that he puts his name on Jerusalem, that he puts his name on the city. And when you go to Jerusalem, you'll go to this model of Jerusalem and you'll see the name of God right there, the Shein. You've got the two valleys coming down and the city of David right there. And you'll see the name of God right there, right on Israel. That's why when we study the Bible, the Bible is to be taken literally. When God says things, it's not a figurative thing. He wasn't figuratively putting his name. He literally put his name on the city. It's a literal thing. And so Sheen is the letter that God uses to identify himself. And Ein is the picture of an eye. And it means to see or to know or to experience. And so the idea, the meaning that is being conveyed in this word Pesha is that God will make the person to see or experience judgment. God will make the person to see or experience judgment because the mouth of God is open because they've deliberately rebelled against God. Now, what's interesting is that when you look at the word, I believe it's kefar, for atonement, one of the letters means to close the mouth of God. So the idea of atonement is that the mouth of God is closed so he can't speak judgment. He doesn't pronounce judgment over you. And what closes the mouth of God? The blood. The blood closes the mouth of God, the blood of Jesus. When God sees the blood, he doesn't speak judgment. So this idea here, Pesha, God is speaking judgment or making the person to see or experience judgment. And so when I look at this, when I look at these two words as a legalist, as someone who is legalistic, I will naturally see God in terms of the law. I will see him in terms of right and wrong. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I obeying God? Am I not obeying God? And most people, that will be how you'll hear the Bible taught. You have to obey. It's about obedience. Following the rules that God says. And that's natural. That's naturally ingrained in me. And then we take it to the next step. If I do right, then I'm good. But if I do wrong, then I'm bad. And so my goodness, my badness, my righteousness, my unrighteousness, my position before God all comes down to obedience. Am I following God's rules or am I breaking the law? In fact, we even interpret our worth to God or our usability to God based on that. God can't use me because I'm a bad person. God can't use bad people. God can't use me because I'm messed up. I've done wrong things. And therefore... 
God can't use a person like that. That's a view that comes from the law. And so we try to be good people. We try to do the right things so we can increase our net worth before God. If I clean up my life, if I become a better person, if I'm nicer to people, if I count to 10 before I yell at someone, you know, all the techniques that you learn, then I'm good. But God looks beyond our goodness, and God looks beyond our badness, and he looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Jesus said concerning the Pharisees in Matthew 15, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now you have to understand what a radical statement this was. This was a radical statement in that day because the Pharisees were the ones that observed all the feasts. They kept the Sabbath laws. They, you know, when they would tithe, if you had a hundred you know, sunflower seeds, or if you have a bag of sunflower seeds, they would count every seed. And then they would count 10% and then give the 10% to the Lord. Now imagine if you had grain, wheat. They would do that with little kernels of wheat, meticulous in keeping the law. Because in their mind, if I kept the law, then I was righteous. In fact, that's how they would refer to each other. Oh, there's a righteous man. He keeps the law. They would fast and they would pray and they would take care of the poor. They would offer sacrifices. And so on the surface, they appeared to be genuine and sincere lovers of God. They would have been the nicest people. You would have called them pastor because they would have had it all together. They would be humble. They would let you know how humble they were. They were just great people. But Jesus could see their hearts. And he said, listen, you're doing all the right stuff, but there's something between us. There's something in the middle of us. And so he called them whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. And yet, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, I mean, think about that for a second. What do you have to do to catch someone? That's kind of creepy. But the person caught in the act of adultery, to that person, Jesus said, I'm not going to accuse you. In fact, Jesus turned to all the people and said, He who is without sin, you cast the first stone. Friends, we want you to know how special you are to us, but more importantly, we want you to know how special you are to God. God loves you, and He gave everything for you so that you could have eternal life. His son Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and you could know that you're going to spend eternity 
in heaven. Why don't you pray this simple prayer, mean it with all your heart, and make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Forgive me for living my life without you. I don't want to live without you anymore. I want to live for you. Forgive me for breaking your law and fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you pray that prayer, you can have the assurance that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And I look forward to spending that eternity with you. You've been listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. As we wrap up today's message, we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us today. This broadcast is, in a way, a virtual mission field. We're praying that every time a message is shared, someone's heart is drawn to Jesus. Would you join us in lifting up your fellow listeners to the Lord? Ask God to protect them and to draw them closer each moment they listen. There's one other way you can partner with us. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Worship Life Radio? Every amount given, no matter the size, will be used to spread the gospel message, and we're so grateful for it. You can find out more and donate securely online at calvarysanclemente.org. Just click on Give. We're so thankful for your consideration and partnering with us at Worship Life Radio. If you live in or visiting the San Clemente area, we'd love to have you join us for worship at Calvary San Clemente. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and we have a Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. Come for a time of singing praises, learning from the Bible, and being with brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're unable to come in person, that's okay. You can still be a part of the church online through our website. Find out more at calvarysanclemente.org. That's all the time we have for today. We hope you'll join us again for our next edition, where Pastor Holland will continue teaching through Leviticus in this series called The Beauty of Holiness, here on Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.